0: So, dear brothers and sisters, you're very welcome to our Holy Mass. This morning, also, welcome to Father Gabriel, who's been assisting us, helping us with the retreat over this weekend, uh, flat out with confessions and blessings and everything last night. So, thank you so much for that. Um, it's always I always find it very interesting to talk to parents about their experiences of parenting, because that's something I know nothing about. Uh, so, when you speak to, to, to parents and you speak to to them about their experiences with their children and the struggles of parenting, I find it very interesting because... If we consider ourselves children of God, then there are often many parallels between between how parents and children relate and how we relate to God. So I remember talking to a mom recently, and she was saying, just how is it? Why is it? I never have to teach my children any of the bad things. I never have to teach them to be untidy. They know that themselves. I have to teach them to be tidy and ordered. I never have to teach them to be selfish. They know that themselves. Right? They're pulling toys off other children. I have to teach them to be generous. Why is it? I never have to teach them to be rude. They just pick that up themselves. Right? I have to teach them to be polite. I never have to teach my children to be noisy. They really have that one down. <laughs> I have to teach them to be quiet. You know? So it's just very interesting how it seems all of the good things, all, all of, the kind of the noble things that we're supposed to live and we're supposed to learn, they require effort. All of the not-so-good things come naturally now fast forward to adulthood it's a very similar thing where being selfish or lazy or angry or giving into any particular passion whatever that may be that just comes easily it's just dead easy it really is easy it's so easy to lose the head just you know I me mean? you just you look at someone and you say the head yeah <laughs> you know? and it's just, just 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 slips out like butter you know it's just so easy right? whereas you know to say something positive uh, or to be positive when you don't feel like it—that's hard. You know, it's, it's so easy for us to to to, to choose the easy path, or the path of least resistance, as they would say. You know, uh, to, to choose the easy thing, to choose what just comes, what just comes naturally, rather than choosing virtue. Right? Choosing virtue is hard, or harder. Our readings and gospel today are about prayer, and prayer—it's it, one of those. Things that it's so good when we get it right, it's so life giving, it's so incredibly helpful. But I don't think it comes naturally to us, and as you see, with children, it's going to be the same thing, right? Do you want to pray? No. <laughs> Do you know, this kind of their initial reaction is you have to try and you have to try and sugarcoat prayer. You have to try and put ribbons and bows on it, or you try and put for, for little boys, by the way. If, you, if you ever need to pray with with little boys, always include fire in some way, <laughs> right? Candles or something. You know, so do you want to pray? No, you get to light four candles. Oh, <laughs> okay. And then, of course, to get to blow them out afterwards, that's even better. It's like bonus, right? So always include fire. That's that's why the liturgy is, you know. You know, to keep us <laughs> priests happy, right? We have a little bit of fire around the place. Okay, so, uh, so like we have to kind of package prayer well for for children, or they, they they might well find it difficult. They might struggle to pray. We struggle to pray. So, teaching our children to pray can be a huge challenge. It can be very, very, very difficult indeed. And even for us, like we may have even learned how to pray, and then. It just becomes easy to say, Yeah, well, you know, it's fine. I mean, I don't, I don't need it today. I prayed yesterday or last week. Or my mother prays for me, so I'm okay. Or, Yeah, we'll get it, we'll fit it in sometime. It'll be fine. And little by little, then that, that zeal that we had for prayer once just starts to wane off. And as I was telling uh, our retreatants, um, I was in contact with a girl who uh, struggled with, with an eating disorder. And things things were pretty bad. So just every three weeks or a month, I'll just send her a little message, just see how she's doing, right? And whenever she, I, if I send a message to say, well, how are you keeping these days? If she ever responds, not doing too well, I ask our retreatants what do they think my next question would be, and they all actually got it right. I, so I, I'm not doing too well. My next question as a priest would be, what? Are you praying? And what's her answer? No. Either you're reading my texts, which would be very, very strange, or, or yeah, you know where I'm going with this. Like, like, I ask her how she's doing. I'm not doing well. Are you praying? No. A month later, so then we talk about prayer. I try, to, I try to encourage her to pray again. A month later, send her a text. Just, see how, just check in, see how, how you're doing. Great. How's prayer going? Fantastic. I'm going to the prayer group. And you just repeat her then, like, do you see the parallels here? When you pray, when you have, like, divine help in your life, this struggle, which is a, which is a real struggle, which is very, very difficult, very dangerous, it goes, it, it goes much better. But when prayer drops, then the temptation, you're, you're kind of, you're defenseless. Then it's just you versus the temptation. That's, that's much harder. That's much, much harder. The, the reading today, our, our Old Testament reading from Exodus... Uh, we mightn't f- uh, understand what this reading means. So there's a battle going on, right? So it's, it's uh, the Israelites, Moses leading his people, and they're against the Amalekites, the first cousins of the Gigabytes. Um, and so, good, you're awake. <laughs> All right. Nothing to the Mosquito Bites. They're, they're a different family altogether. Um, so, so, uh, so they're in a battle, right? They're in a battle and what it says, <laughs> aftershock, so, so, so they're, in this, they're engaged in this battle, okay, and it's, 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 you know, it's a battle, people are dying, okay, and it says, as long as Moses kept his arms raised, Israel had the advantage, when his arms began to fall, the advantage went to the enemy, the Amalekites, okay, what are we talking about here, that Moses just has to do this, And then we keep winning, and then as soon as he gets tired, we start losing. And as soon as he does this again, we start winning. (laughs) That's obviously not what the reading is saying, okay? So when when Moses' arms are raised, what's he doing? Raised in prayer, okay? So as long as Moses intercedes for his people and is praying for his people, his people are successful. And when Moses stops praying, then they start to lose, okay? So it, this is, again, it's, it, it's a reading that's underlining the power of intercessory prayer, that one person praying for a whole group of other people, the power that that has. So when he gets tired, then they put rocks under his arms so he can still keep his arms up and pray, interceding for his people. I visited a, a family not so long ago, and uh, there's a, a grandmother in that family, and I remember talking to her children, and, she's, and some, a number of the children said, our faith is due to our mother. All right? Our faith is due to our mother's constancy, her fidelity, her prayer. And now there are grandchildren and even great-grandchildren in that family. And the faith is being passed on from her to her children, to their children, to the great-grandchildren. And just when I, when I, when I read this reading, she was the person I thought of. She's like this intercessory person uh, back in, you know, hidden... Not necessarily seen, but there in the background with hands raised, interceding for the whole family, praying for the whole family. And the power of that one person who prays and the effect that that has, then not only on their life, but on their children, their children's children and their great grandchildren. One person, one heart, one soul, two hands raised in prayer. See, our prayer, our prayer, it's not just about you. It's not just about us. You know what I mean? Our prayer is much, much bigger than us. It's much, much more important than we think it is. Because it doesn't just affect us. Our, our prayer affects those that we know. And if you're a parent, it most definitely affects your kids. And grandchildren and great-grandchildren. It's just, this is, this is, this is a very, very, this, this is a powerful reading. Of this, this idea of intercessory prayer. And that to recognize then the power of prayer, not just for you. Because you might think, you see, when we get into these, 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 Times in our lives when prayer is hard, you might think it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, if I pray, I don't pray, I'm not going to hell if I don't pray. Right? So it doesn't really matter. You know, and we can kind of soothe ourselves. Or dare I say, the enemy is suggesting these little things to us. You know, you don't really need to. At the end of the day, you go to Mass, you haven't killed anyone, it's all good. And so then prayer just becomes less and less important until it's kind of a minimum, or until, worse again, it's just duty. We just pray when we have to. There's no love. Just we have to tick that box, or I'll feel guilty, or someone will make me feel guilty. So, I pray when I have to. And then prayer just really—it's—it's it's, it's not life-giving. It's not joy-giving. It's—it's uh, it's a duty, just like going to the dentist, just like getting your, the oil in your car changed. You just—it's just a duty. There's there's no life in it. That's 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 death. That's spiritual death. Because like we, for most of us, most of you. Mass will be weekly. Most people are working, so they can't necessarily go to daily Mass. So our prayer life, on the other hand, that's daily. So your, like your Mass attendance is weekly. That's what the, the Church requires of us, asks of us. But your prayer life should be daily. And in Moses' case here, he's talking about this, this battle of prayer. And I think many of you experience that too, that when you wake up in the morning, for some of us, we come skipping through the fields to work, don't we? Yes, we do. You know, the alarm goes off and you wake up and the first words out of your mouth are, yes, I love this. I've never had that experience in my life, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) The alarm goes off and you're like, are you kidding me? Okay, okay. Here we go again, round two, ding, ding. (laughs) And every day just feels like a battle, right? And you just have to drag, not drag yourself through, but just drag yourself out of bed for a start anyway. And then choose to fight. Choose to love, choose to be joyful, choose to forgive, choose to pray. Choose to do all of these good things, whether you feel like it or not. And if you're doing it right, nobody will know. Nobody will know. We choose virtue. It doesn't come naturally to us. We have to to choose. With the grace of God, we choose it. We live it. But not because we feel it. But what's the the effect of that? The effect of that is, firstly, I begin to live a more virtuous life, but then there's effects on other people. Remember, our prayer life doesn't just affect us. It affects those entrusted to us, or those who know us, or those who work with us, or those who live with us. So when we're we're doing this, then our, our prayer lives affect everyone. But incidentally, it may affect also the people who know the people that we live with or work with. Because they'll go home. Remember, um, when I lived in, in Italy, um, in the seminary, th- there was a couple of cultural things I had to get used to. Like I was driving on the road, and I, I do kind of drive like an Italian. I learned to drive like an Italian, so I thought I'd just fit in. It was great. Uh, and on one occasion, someone blew the horn at me. right? And like we Irish, we just don't do that. So I just came home, like asking myself, "Was am I a bad person?" I mean, someone blew the horn at me. I must have been awful. I must be absolutely terrible. You know, and what have I done? <laughs> have I offended somebody? Do you know, I mean, for Italians, blowing the horn is equivalent to saying "you well, Like it's just completely normal. But to get back to on topic, we have this great grace and ability. To pray and to intercede for others. I've shared this, this talk before, but I, I think it is important at, at this point. When we die, the Catechism uh, speaks about two judgments, which were something, to be honest, I never understood until about a year ago when I heard someone speak about it. I never understood the difference between these two. Uh, but when we die, there's what's called the, the particular judgment. Okay, So our lives are <clears throat> effectively exposed as they are before God. So what you did, all the good that you did, is, is, it's there. It's all present. All the acts of love, all the acts of service, all the acts of selflessness, they're all there. All of your sins, if they're confessed, they're not there, by the way. Because if they were there, then what's the point of confession? So the sins that are confessed are gone. Otherwise, what is confession? So those, con- those sins are not there anymore. So, great. So that's, that's our particular judgment. So we, we find, we see ourselves as we are before God. Now in that moment then, I don't think there needs to be a big conversation between us and God. You simply see a, how, you see the reality, the truth of who you are and how you are. And if I want God's mercy, if I'm open to God's mercy, heaven is open to me. Okay, now I may need to stop off in purgatory for a little bit of a purifying, maybe. Ultimately, we're still heaven bound. If I want God's mercy, I'm heaven bound. Okay. But then the Catechism also teaches about what's called a final judgment. I thought, what's the final? If if you have a particular judgment, what on earth is the final judgment? It's like you're up in heaven, kind of just hoping that no further evidence is found about your life. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like you're kind of up for a retrial. You know what I mean? And uh, defense exhibit A, cigarette butts under your bed. You know, like. Uh, so what? What on earth? is The final? Because I mean, if you're in heaven, you, I mean, could you lose your place? What's the story like? So I never understood what the whole final judgment thing was about. But the Catechism teaches the final judgment is at the end of time, at the end of time, so the end of the world, effectively, the end of time, which is next Wednesday week, at the end of time, (laughs) uh, when all of time has passed, we will then see the ultimate effects of all of our actions. Okay? So if we were in heaven, the ultimate effect of all of our actions would be good. If we're not in heaven, the ultimate effect of our actions will not be. Which means that when we get to, like, if I'll, oh, how am 40, give me another probably 50 years and I'll be dead. So that's a 73, right? Two, two, 2073, you can come and put flowers on my tomb, wherever I'll be, okay? Uh, in or around. Uh, so I'll be gone. And my life, though, will have affected the people who I live with, the people here in Holy Family. Uh, people I've ministered to Uh, maybe my own family um, friends who knows who okay so my life will have at that point my life will have influenced people but the effect I've had on their lives will continue after my death if I've done it right you think of Padre Pio who died in 1968 and his life is still touching people you think of Saint Francis who died back in the 13th century 13th, like seven centuries ago And his life is still touching. Think of St. Patrick back in the 5th century. St. Augustine back in the 5th century. And their lives are still touching people. And they're dead centuries. Right? So at the end of time, in the final judgment, they will then see the ultimate effects of all of their actions. Things that they could never have even conceived possible while they were alive. Right? So the effects of their lives are far, far, far greater than they ever could have imagined. Like St. Francis could never have imagined, like, the half the, the, the cities in, in America would be called after Franciscan settlements. You know, they never could have imagined the community would be so big, so many different branches to it as well. St. Dominic, similarly, uh, St. I mean, they could never have imagined the, the effect of, of their yes back in the day, centuries ago. They could never have imagined. So, what about you? What about your yes? What about your fidelity today? What about my fidelity? What about my my prayer life today? If I get this right, my life affects far more people than I might realize. It's not just about me. Your prayer life isn't just about you. You affect people. And we can affect people for good. And we can affect people forever. If our example and our prayer helps people get to heaven, then our life has had an effect on them for all eternity what a gift. So in heaven, when that final judgment comes and we will see the ultimate effect of our lives, it's going to be incredible. Because we would never have imagined or conceived it possible that such small actions, apparently small actions, could have had such an amazing effect. Like if you save someone's life, someone is suicidal or someone is sad or depressed, and through your friendship and prayer and consolation you save the life some girl is considering an abortion you speak to her you talk to her about hope and love and support that's out there and you save that life that person goes on to have children of the, to get married and have children of their own and they go on to get married themselves and then two generations later there's a priest who goes on to start a, a mission somewhere or work in a parish and save all sorts of souls it's all traced back to that conversation you had with that lady back in 1975 you know i mean the effect that we have on other people just incredible incredible so dear brothers and sisters it's just really really important that we get our prayer lives right it really is it doesn't come naturally to us i think i think it's a bit of a struggle it's a bit of a fight but if i pray i can intercede for others so it's not just about me and maybe you'll be the prayer force in your family that holds things together. Maybe you'll be the, the prayer force that, that brings about someone's conversion, the conver- maybe even the conversion of a priest who's considering leaving or who knows. We've been given a, a power, and with that power comes, comes responsibility. So we ask the Lord to teach us to pray, that the Holy Spirit will pray in us when we can't find the words or when we don't have the desire to. We thank the Lord for those who have prayed for us and have kept us on the straight and narrow for their example, for their lives, for their hands held up even when they were tired. We ask you, Lord, that we can collaborate with you in your plan of salvation of souls. Amen.